In today's show, we're going to look back at the Sacramento Kings 2021-2022 season. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Sacramento Kings time. Should be good. Let's talk about the Kings who finished the season 30-52. and 52, Made a win-now trade and got worse. It wasn't a win-now trade. It's for the future. It's a two-time All-Star. They made a win-now trade. They got worse. They finished with the seventh worst NBA record. Um, ended up going 5-5 five and five over their last 10 to potentially make their lottery odds worse in true Kings fashion. So at this point, the picks they have is that, that whatever that lottery pick ends up being, number seven at the moment, which will change with the lottery. They've got 37. They've got 48 coming from Chicago as well. They had the 27th best defense and 25th best offense, so bad on both ends. They fired their coach midseason. They've now fired their interim coach in Alvin Gentry. I don't know why he coached for as long as he did, to be honest. Um, he didn't give a shit all season. It was never going anywhere. I get that you, know, you want a pick of other candidates. We'll see what they do in the offseason. We don't know which direction they're going to go there. I still have plenty of questions about the decision-making process and management. Oh, yeah, Monty, nah, there's no interference from Vivek at all. None. Well, if that's the case, then Monty McNair's um, job as general manager needs to be up for debate because some of the decisions have been pretty poor. If that's if there's no Vivek interfering, then Monty's making some bad calls. I don't know what to make of where this team goes. Is there any chance they even make the play in next year? Sure, maybe. But history would say betting against them is probably the best way to, to go. In terms of what their roster looks like, Jeremy Lamb is an unrestricted free agent. He was all right, but you know, no real rush. to. He's only 29 somehow. No real rush to bring him back, I wouldn't have thought. Josh Jackson was bad again, like he's been everywhere, basically. I think at this point, he's a good G League player. He won't be back, I would doubt. Big interesting one to me is Dante DiVincenzo, the big ragu. They finally got him across after a couple of, well, one failed attempt. And every report coming out through guys like James Ham and James Jason Anderson, I think it is the other one, is that he doesn't. He's not happy. He's pissed with the role he was in. He's pissed that they were starting Justin Holiday over him, which admittedly doesn't make any sense. And he doesn't want to be there. They have his restricted rights, but will he you know, sign an offer sheet somewhere else? Will he take the qualifying offer? I don't know. I don't know what they do with him or what he does with himself. 25 years old, restricted free agent. I wouldn't say that he blew the doors off when he got there. Like, he was fine. I would have liked him in a better role, and that was very confusing to me, but I still don't know where he fits in the NBA. Trey Lyles has got a team option for $2.6 million. I'm sure they'll pick that up. He was okay, but yeah, 
okay from Trey Lyles on a tanking team is not something you want to rely upon moving forward. Damian Jones is an unrestricted free agent. It, really interesting stuff there, isn't there? We'll talk about this a bit later on, but who knows what the hell's going on with Sabonis? He's got three years, almost $35 million left and is potentially in some legal difficulties. And I think they'd want to trade him anyway. I think they might look to bring Jones back. Chimezi Metu's non-guaranteed $1.9 million. And then their two-way guy, Nemius Kader, it was okay. I don't really know if he's going to step into a big enough role on this team. Though they still somehow, for some reason, have Alex Len signed for almost $4 million next year. Absolutely no reason for that. They've got Mo Harkless, who somehow, again, is only 28. How is that possible? He's still signed for $4.5 million next year as well. So some interesting decisions obviously need to be made in the offseason. What are they going to do with Fox? What are they going to do with Holmes? I don't think they're going to do anything with Fox now, to be honest. They'll just be Fox and Sabonis that they start to build around. And there's still a lot of question marks about which direction this team is going to go or how they are going to end up getting better. But Daily Fantasy can't get any better than Price Picks because it is Daily Fantasy made easy. What is Price Picks, you might ask? Well, it's simple. You get two to five players and they just give you over-under numbers. Over-under on points or assists or rebounds or steals or blocks or threes or fantasy points. And you go, yeah, I'll go under or I'll go over. Put them together and you can win up to 10 times your entry fee. And it's not just basketball. You can combine multiple sports. You might throw a Major League Baseball over-run in there. You might throw football when that season starts. You might throw hockey. There's all the different sports you can put into one lineup, and it's fast and easy. Under 60 seconds, you can get a lineup done. And withdrawals are very, very easy and very painless. For a limited time, PricePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. You get 50 bucks for free if a player in your first PricePix entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. That's right. It's an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. Sign up today and use the code NBA. 50 bucks for free. If a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point, prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Let's look at these players now. Let's start with Demontis Sabonis, who was the 25th ranked player on a per game basis. He had a Yahoo ADP of 18th. He was 20th in points leagues. A lot of people were reaching for him at the start of the second round, pick 11 to 12. I was skeptical of him being a second-round player. 25th-ranked player overall. I ended up being right by a bee's dick. I was cautious about, though, what Rick Carlisle would do, a guy that tends to funnel usage through to the guards versus the big men. And he was playing such a large role, I just wasn't sure that it was going to stick under this new system. And really, it didn't quite It wasn't. Didn't quite hit the same. He was still pretty strong, really strong, as a third-round sort of player. But as a guy that people were reaching for often at the start of the second round because of so much uncertainty in other players, it, that was, I didn't think that was going to pan out and it didn't. Sabonis also was pretty inconsistent, I thought. There were times when he would go out there and have like yeah, usage of 12 or shoot 30% and then shoot 80 in other games. It was very up and down on a game-by-game basis, I thought, with his numbers. One of the more inconsistent players uh, on his team throughout the season on a per-game um, consistency level. In fact, he was the most inconsistent player on this team. And of course, when he was in Indiana as well. He still is probably the best player on this team. His advanced stats were all pretty strong this year. Um, big EPM, big uh, Raptor. Interestingly, in the past, he's had struggles with being a negative on-off guy versus Miles Turner being a positive. Both those guys were positive this year. And even in Sacramento, he was a positive, not a huge one, a plus 2.4 during his time there. Led the team comfortably in LeBron. Even his defensive um, numbers were way up this season. 
His efficiency was huge. He has 60% E field goal percentage. He just still doesn't hit threes at a high rate. Um, his free throws can be wonky, but a really good rebounder, good passer. But my problem is that you have to tailor so much to me around Sabonis. And if you tailor an offense around him, like you sort of do with Jokic, but you do it with Jokic and it becomes great. You do it with Sabonis and it becomes eh. And you've got to tailor everything else around him defensively offensively because he needs the ball in his hands. He needs to run all these dribble handoffs. He struggles with shooting. He struggles with guarding in space. He can't protect the rim. So while the numbers and the counting stats and all that stuff looks good for Sabonis, and he's still only 26 somehow, I am just not the biggest believer in him being a player who drives good teams. And Sacramento probably doesn't care about that. They haven't for 16 years. Can he push them to be yeah, a 10th or 9th seed? Yeah. Can he ever? Maybe. Sorry, maybe. Can he ever be a guy that pushes you to a top three C? Probably not. I don't think he's got that level in him. And he's going to want to stay in Sacramento when he's got, what's he got? Two, yeah, two years left, 18 and 19 and a half million. The next two years. Like, is he going to want to stay summer of 24? He'll be 28. I don't know. He'll be a player again that I think is a safe third round player for the next two to three years. No problem with that. But if teams want to be serious about winning, I think you need to change his role a bit. And we'll see if there ends up being a team that does become serious about that and having that success and where he fits into that role. I'm not convinced long-term on him. Kids, cover your ears. Darren Fox. Well, you don't have to cover your ears for me saying Darren Fox. But you do have to cover your ears when I say I fucked up with him. I was pretty interested in what he did end of last season. Efficiency stepped up. Usage was up. He was fitting alongside Tyrese Halliburton really nicely. I thought, all right, yeah. Look, we want to take a risk on a guy. Third round pick, like it. Points league, let's go. You know, early early second, maybe even late first. He was just dreadful, like all season. It felt like to me, conjecture, pure speculation. It felt like to me that he was half-assing it because he didn't like Halliburton being there. And I'll tell you why I feel that way is that I watched him play, number one. The numbers also would back that up, and he just was completely inefficient, and and he did hurt his shoulder game one, and that impacted him. But as soon as Halliburton was gone, whatever injury he, he was, he was out at the time, that injury miraculously healed, and his efficiency and his numbers went through the roof without Halliburton there. I feel like, not that he was sandbagging, but he, he wasn't as committed because he thought maybe there was some indication that the organization was prioritizing Halliburton. And whether he vocalized that internally or people in the organization thought that and said, we have to get rid of Halliburton because we've maxed this bloke out. I wouldn't discount. That is absolutely completely made up by me. Right, that is not anything that I have heard. And that is not anything that I know for a fact. But I am just trying to look at things and piece them together. And I think that that is a possibility of what happened. Of why Halliburton was dealt and why Fox was bad and then good. He stormed home. He was the 36th ranked player in points leagues for the season. And he was shit-ass most of the year. He was outside the top 150 in category leagues for most of the year. Ended up 61st. He averaged 23, 4, and 5.5. And 1.2 steals. 47 and 75. Still only shot 30% from three, which is putrid. His advanced numbers defensively, he just did not give a shit at all. Like, really poor numbers. Like, 23rd percentile EPM. Right down in um, Raptor. His numbers on LeBron were horrific, like horrifically bad defensively. Um, looking at his on-off was a 
plus two, which is okay, but not great. But this bloke, you know, over the last 12 games, he averaged 30 points with eight assists. And while we don't expect that, that's actually closer. I thought, you know, 25 and eight was possible for him this year, but he got nowhere near that because, you know, of this complete lack of efficiency. He shot 37% from three over the last 18 games of the season to finish at 29.7. That's how bad he was to begin. Do we get sucked in again and go, oh, yeah, he figured it out, which is what happened last year. He figured it out. I'll, ha- I'll happily, like 61st, happily look at him as a top 50 player next year. Probably won't go into the third, but given the dearth of point guards and dearth of assists, there's going to be a run on them, most likely. And he'll probably end up going in the 40s, and I don't actually think it'll be a bad call. We discount what he did a little bit towards the end. Is there going to be any risk of Davion Mitchell um, you know, rubbing up the wrong way, the way that Halliburton did, allegedly? Or, you know, not allegedly, what I'm positing is maybe a reason. I don't know, maybe. But I think there is a chance here for Fox to have a bit of a bounce back. He's only 24. But, yeah, I was, I was pretty disappointed in him this last season. The pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. Why they haven't traded this bloke for the last two years, I have no fucking idea. None none at all. I don't know what this team's doing. Oh, we've got a young guy, rookie contract, maybe turns into a good player. Get rid of him. Barnes only can help playoff teams. He's 30 years of age. We'll keep him for... Uh, I, I don't know why. I have no idea why you would be keeping Harrison Barnes. He was the 95th ranked player in category leagues, 100th in points leagues. And that's just about who he is. It's bang on his ADP. He averaged 16, 5.5, and 2.5. He shot 47 and 83. He is absolutely invisible in defensive stats. He doesn't hit huge volumes of threes, but does them at a nice percentage. He's just, like, solid. Need a massive negative um, Raptor uh, defensively. His Raptor was pretty bad. Oh, sorry, his EPM defensively was bad as well. But he's just thoroughly like a marginally above average player. Really good true shooting, hyper-efficient, fell off a bit as the season went on, sort of back to where he's normally went. Otherwise, everything's sort of in the middle of the pack, apart from defensive stats, which are putrid. Like really, like steals and blocks, so low. Defensive advanced metrics, really low. Um, yeah, consistently negatives in those categories. Negative 3.6 on off, bad. When we come to next season, like he played 34 minutes, is Harrison Barnes on this team next season? If I was the GM, absolutely not. He'd be gone straight away. Not that he's a bad player, but he makes no sense on this team. Or the fact that they play him out of position continually. Oh, let's start Marvin Bagley or Trey Lyle so that he can start at the three. It's because they've got no threes, obviously, but Barnes is a better four. What's his absolute best case scenario? Probably the 80th best player. Do I give a shit about drafting a guy like that at 110? Hoping maybe he's the 80th best guy if everything goes correct? No, I wouldn't. I think personally, he's a guy I probably wouldn't draft, even though I'm well aware he will be a top 150 player because you know my draft strategy. I don't have any interest in drafting a bloke like a Jordan Clarkson. He's an example I'll always throw out there where I go, yeah, he'll be the 125th ranked player and I take him with pick 125. What's the point of that? Absolutely none. I don't care. And it's going to be the same for Barnes. It's like Andrew Wiggins. You draft them, and they'll be comfortably top 150. And they're clearly must-roster 12-team league guys. But with those picks in round 11 or round 12, I take a flyer on a bloke. 
who might hit as a top 80 guy or a top 60 guy, who might not. And that's, I think, where Barnes is going to go. Where does it get better from here? I don't really see it. This one is interesting. Rashawn Holmes. He had an ADP of 42. He was his worst in points leagues and category leagues, 152 in points leagues, 116 in category leagues. He was he played poorly. He had multiple eye injuries. His minutes were extraordinarily low. And then he got benched for Sabonis. Rightfully so. Sabonis is a better player. Defensively, no, but better player overall. And now, domestic violence allegations against him. At the time of me recording this, I don't know where that's going. Is he going to cop a suspension? Is he going to go to jail? I don't know. There's, you know, He's denying the charges, saying it's a custody battle with dirty tricks and all this sort of shit. I don't know. All I know is that accusation is out there, and it's an ugly accusation to hit his part, ex-partner and his kid. All right, It's bad. Irrespective of the outcome of that, which, of course, from a societal point of view, even a basketball point of view, we can't just dismiss it. I just don't know what's going to happen with it. But if he stays in Sacramento, we're not drafting him. He's not going to play next to Sabonis enough. Even this year, like his advanced numbers were actually really good. Like really, eh. That, actually, you know what? That's not true. Raptor hated him. EPM liked him, plus 0.3. True shooting, amazing. E field goal percentage, amazing. 72% at the rim, unbelievable. Rebound rate, pretty strong. Good block rate. Some really good numbers. But some of his impact stuff was a bit down in LeBron and in Raptor. He just did not have a good season. He fell off a lot. We know that his value comes from getting blocks, which for some reason were absent this year, from getting insanely high field goal percentage and pairing that with good free throws. And if you're one of those people, and that is and that is totally fine, who loves to build a fantasy team around having very good both percentages, I'm not one of those. I would generally want to punt one of those two things because the pool of guys who are very good in both percentages is pretty narrow. In a Roto League, though, the value of him does skyrocket. He's a, he's a really good player in that sort of a, a situation. Is he going to be traded? There's so much murkiness here. Does he get traded? Does he play? Does he get suspended? Like, if he gets back to 28 minutes a night, he is a top 70 guy pretty much at worst. At worst, a top 70 player. But is it going to happen? What team wouldn't want him? Who? Where is he an upgrade? Charlotte. Always is going to be Charlotte when I talk centers. Where is he an upgrade? The movement of him and the legal case resolution, if there is one, is one of the most interesting things to, to look at. He is 28 years old and will be 29 when the season starts. So it is not outside the realms of possibility for a guy who's not an elite talent, who had some pretty solid seasons, that, that he's just done as a starter. That he's done. That's it. It's over for him. He had a run. Again, marching Gortat style, who did a little bit later in his career. He had that little run, started, played well, and he's done. Someone else will take over. Sabonis has taken over from him now. He's the guy that when you have him, you always go, oh, we probably need to get better. And I think that's what the Kings were thinking. When it, Even so, he still can be a really impactful player in the right system. So it's a bit of a risk to take a, a crack at him in a dynasty format, understanding his age, his legal scenario, the fact that he's buried in Sacramento, and it needs to find the right situation to get to. There's a lot of ifs there that I wouldn't be going, he's definitely having future top 50 seasons. I don't mind it as a flyer if someone's just like, I can't with this bloke. I don't mind that. But I'm leaning a little bit towards maybe, maybe he's done as a value player or as a starting caliber NBA guy. Maybe he's done.
BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including the basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season, hockey playoffs as well. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. The Big Ragu, Dante DiVincenzo, played only 42 games this year, 24 minutes a night, 9-4-3 with a steal, shot horribly, 35 from the field, 34 from three, 37 from two is just amazingly bad. Okay, it's horrific. We know he had a really late start to the season with that ankle injury he suffered in the playoffs, and he was just not right for a long time. Started to pick it up in Sacramento, started to be able to play more minutes. Again, as I said earlier in the show, I think that they really limited him too much, and they should have been doing more with him. And I could see him being like, would, I, would you rather start Mitchell next to Fox or DiVincenzo next to Fox? I know which I would prefer, and that's DiVincenzo. But yeah, Mitchell and Fox to me is just a shithouse pairing. I don't, I don't see how that works at all. But who knows what this team decides to do? They've still got Justin Holiday under contract as well for $6.2 million, $6.3 million. Does DiVincenzo want to come back? Defensively, Good, some good advanced numbers. Offensively, that shooting is a real problem. You know, when you finish 45% at the rim, 25% from mid-range, that's, that's, that's actually atrocious. He's been better than that in the past, but he's never been a great shooter. Good steals guy. And that's where the fantasy value comes from. So it's one of those things, again, to really be cautious of. 190th ranked player this year. And points league zone, I guess it was lower. 197th marginally. But it comes from steals. He could be the 120th best player because he gets 1.6 steals while averaging 10 points. And steals overrates value. Be aware of that. Steals overrates value. You always should have a level of skepticism when looking at a player's rank and his best category by far is steals because they're so volatile, they're so low volume that you give him his nothings in other areas and that goes up. It can lead you a little bit astray, I think. I think he's a solid player. Can he ever be a top 80 player? I really, really doubt that. I, I really doubt it. I just don't think there's enough offensive juice there. I don't think he's going to consistently play 30 plus minutes. He'll get by on steals and then sort of settle into a you know, 26 minute a night role somewhere. Not not convinced with him. Chimizi Metu. I like Metu. He's 25 years of old. Years of old? No, years of age. Played 21 minutes, nine points, five and a half rebounds. <clears throat> Almost a steal, half a block, 45-78. Shot 31% from three. I think he probably is better off as a center, as is Sabonis and Holmes and Jones and probably Lyles and Len and Kader and their whole bloody team because they don't know how to build a roster. Metu showed me flashes, but he's not as young as you would hope. He's 25. I thought he was, again, okay and worth developing. Defensively, he showed something. Offensively, the shooting was pretty rough early on. It did start to pick up as the season went on. And he, the numbers are okay with him. Um, advanced stat-wise, like they're, they're not bad. But is he a guy that I invest in like you are going to be this starting for? I don't think the offense and the shooting is ever going to be there. He's more of a backup five, get some minutes at the four, be a slight rim-protecting sort of an option versus a guy that's got this amazing future. Damian Jones has been really bad in the NBA. I thought this year he played pretty okay, pretty solidly. 
and he's been cut and waved a million times. Like, who's he played for? The bloody, the Hawks, the Lakers, the Warriors. He's been all over the place. I thought he was okay. 18 minutes a night, eight points, four rebounds, 0.8 blocks. And then when Sabonis went down at the end of the year with, with Holmes out for those personal reasons, he put up really good numbers, really impressive numbers. 70, 66% shooting, 72 from the line is impressive as well. Um, defensively, he's still got work to do. Like he's one of those guys who blocks shots, but is the defense actually good? Not really. He's a really strong finisher, like 79% at the rim. That's 99th percentile in the NBA. Very good shot blocker, but there are still a lot of gaps there. And I think, while I think he improved a lot this year, he averaged 14 and six with a block as a starter and 74%. That's okay. I don't think you ever want to look at him as a future starting center anywhere. He can be a solid backup, maybe like what Hassan Whiteside did for the Jazz this year. He can be solid enough, be really efficient, block some shots, but still has significant holes defensively in his game. And I'm not really sure there's a big offensive role that's going to explode for him. He did, though, over the last two last four games, average 18 and 5 on 69% with 21 usage. So upped his usage and maintained efficiency. I'm just not really sure that he is... I don't think he's a long-term starting center. Like, he's a guy to watch. If he comes in as the backup, Sabonis goes down, then yeah, he will be a must-roster player. But when we're talking long-term, he's 27 years of age. And he's just... He's a backup center. That's who he is. Justin Holiday, 33 years of age. Hit two and a half threes a game. An elite three-point streamer. You get threes out of him. Shot 37%. Doesn't do anything else, really. He's lost everything else basically in his um, in his arsenal. Got one year left at 6.3. I actually thought he was pretty poor most of the year. They played him too many minutes in Sacramento. There was no need for it. They eventually started to reduce him at the end of the year, but well below average true shooting. Bang on average uh, effective field goal. Couldn't finish at the rim. Steal rate dropped off. Um, he's not a starting caliber player anymore. And I don't think we need to worry about him for fantasy. Terrence Davis is an interesting one. 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 games, 18 minutes a night. Only played um, those 30 games. He's just, he's about to turn 25. Had some off-court issues for sure, but was really starting to come on. I do think that a little bit of what he was able to do this year was inflated. He was able to come on at times where other guys were injured and really start to put up numbers. Um... Let's have a look. He didn't... Yeah, look, he was. Yeah, he came in when Fox was out and started next to Halliburton. And those 25 minutes a night, he played in his 11 starts, 18 points, five rebounds, 27 usage, and 62 true shooting. So it's one of those things that we talk about often. You get the opportunity, the minutes go up, the usage goes up, and somehow you get better with your efficiency, which is not, and that's on that high, 62%, that's not a really easy number to maintain. He hit 63% of his twos during those 11 starts. So if we just look back to that and go, well, he, he is a, look, he could start next to Fox instead of DiVincenzo and Mitchell. They've got options. I actually wouldn't mind that as a good three-point shooter, guy with some really solid defense. I don't mind him as a starter there. I just think that a lot of what he was able to do was when Fox was out and put up those big numbers, and you know, that might lead to a weird, how does he fit with Fox? His advanced numbers are great. Second on the team in Raptor. Fourth on the team in EPM behind Sabonis, Holmes, and Fox. Um, yeah, 55 true shooting probably needs a little bit of work there. Defensively, I thought he played well. Second on the team in LeBron. All the numbers are working really well, but it's 
almost it's 500 minutes, and a lot of those minutes were without De'Aaron Fox. How does he fit as a third option, maybe fourth option, on an offense when he can't hit 67% of his twos? I like what he does. I think there is real upside. He's a player. Hey, if I'm going to take a fly, if I see what happens with this roster and go, he's going to start, I'll take him at 120 and not Harrison Barnes. Thinking that, hey, if it does work out, this is an 18-point scorer. Might get me 1.5 steals, might hit two and a half threes. That's possible for him. I'm not confident in it, but I think the upside's higher than what a Holiday or even a DiVincenzo or a Barnes might be able to give me. So he's on a bit of a precipice. This is his chance, but the draft's going to be really important for this team as to what they do and whether they address that position over on the wing. Or they need threes more than twos, but yeah, an option there. Trey Lyles was one of the worst NBA players this season. Horrendous. And then started to play well, which is, things change. I can say that he's the worst rotation player in the NBA because he was, in my opinion. And then he started to play better. I won't say he was particularly good, but he started to play better. Average 10 and 5. Defensive stats, no, they're just invisible. Shoots threes, not well, 32%. I don't really know what he does well. He can score okay. Eighth percentile in defensive EPM is a horrendous number. Bad in defensive Raptor. Bad in defensive LeBron, although not quite as bad. His numbers were okay. And then he started a lot of games for this team and had his big run of 35 minutes. And then towards the end of the year, they went and yeah, played 20. I still don't know what they're trying to do. You can't go into next season and go, we've got the forward spot sorted with Barnes and Lyles because you are just dooming yourself to miss the playoffs again. I wouldn't look at Trey Lyles, who was the 236th ranked player in 21 minutes and go, well, you know, big season's coming. He's not that player to me. Can he be a rotation guy? Maybe. Is he just like a Marvin Bagley who they got rid of? <laughs> not far off. All offense points, rebounds, a guy who does no nothing defensively. He's not your answer. Do not get sucked in. That brings me to Davion Mitchell. Mitchell was the 243rd ranked player this year in category leagues. In points leagues, he was 174th. Much better. Ended up playing 28 minutes a night, which is a lot more than I expected. Yes, the Halliburton trade, the Fox injury, the Davis injury, all this stuff helped his minutes. And over the last month, last 12 games, he was a top 60 category league player as well because he played 39 minutes a game. He had a usage of 24% and he actually started to get the shots to go in. Not hugely, but they start to go in and he averaged nine assists per game. Nine. Is that real? I think the answer is a pretty clear no. Over the course of the year, he's at 5.4 assists per 36. Over the last 12 games, 8.1 per 36. No Fox. No Sabonis, no Davis, half a team. He showed an ability out there, which was good. I, I was I was impressed with him. His true shooting numbers are still pretty rough. He took steps up. I the the fit of him and Fox to me is bad. Two small point guard sized players who one's a bad shooter and the other's a bad shooter. One of them defends. He's very small, but he defends. The other one doesn't. But even his advanced defensive numbers aren't through the roof, Davion. They're solid. They're about average. You know, they're, they're average. Offensively, his whole year was bad. Yes, he improved a lot as the season went on. But it's another one of those ones. Do you want 40 minutes of Davion Mitchell a night orchestrating your entire offense and having that much usage when he can't shoot? And I think, again, on a bad, on a good team, the answer is, of course I don't. No, I don't want that. 
and I don't know how he fits with Fox. I hated the pick when he was drafted. He's going to be 24 when next season starts. He's too old. He's too small. He can't shoot. That were my criticisms. He's too old, yes, for, for, for a top 10 pick. I think he's too old. Can't shoot. He improved there. He's still not a good shooter. I'm not convinced he's going to become a good shooter. Still hit 66% from the line again. Bad. Defended well, but he's still, I think, too small. I don't think... I don't think much has changed for me in my assessment of him. A little bit has changed. I thought he looked solid enough, but again, this, when the games mattered, he didn't really do anything to get me excited. I thought he struggled through most of that. And then when it was like, we're just going to go full funhouse style and you just do whatever you want, then the numbers came. But it didn't actually mean anything. Am I off on him? Like, I know, I know, I kind of like everybody. That's not that I don't like the bloke. I think he's fun. I think he's good. I think he's a fun bloke, good guy, nothing, nothing wrong with him. But in terms of me assessing how he looks as a player, I wouldn't be like, we've got it sorted with him. What do you think about Davion Mitchell? I I wouldn't be looking, hey, it's a buy low opportunity in Dynasty. I'd be looking at maybe it's a sell high after what he did to end the year. I don't think a, a realistic scenario is putting the ball in his hands 39 minutes a game um, if you want to be a successful team. There's not much more to talk about here. Alex Len, like, is still around. Jeremy Lamb... The injuries have just killed him. Like he, he's pretty much finished as a solid, or as a starter, he's finished for sure. Like he's had some moments, but 316th ranked player. I don't really see huge upside with those guys. Mo Harkless, I can't believe he's only 29. Josh Jackson, I'm not sure an NBA player really there at all. So the interesting ones to me are Fox, I think will be better. Sabonis, I think he's got a couple of years left. Barnes, I'm worried about. Holmes, I'm very worried about. Davis, I'm up on. I think he'll go up. Mitchell, um higher than I was but not as high as most others and I think that he's not going to be a guy that I have an issue with drafting late next year I just don't think that we can go well Mitchell and Fox will be a 33 minute a night backcourt guys I honestly I don't see how that works maybe I'm wrong I do not see how that works but a lot of water to go under the bridge with that let me know what do you think about my takes on the Sacramento Kings and their season am I off on Fox or Sabonis or Davis or Barnes, or Mitchell. Let me know what you think, or Holmes. Drop it in the comments below. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app for here on YouTube. Thumb it up. Leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.